welcome everyone listening out there to our favorite hour of critical thinking. I think it is our favorite hour. We hope it's your favorite hour of the week as well. And welcome back. We are still hacking away at it in critical thinking land. Um, I'm Brian Barnes. And I'm Patty Payette. And we have been hosting this show for three or plus years. For eons. Yeah, who knew there was so much to talk about critical thinking? Yeah, well, I mean, we hope that a lot of people have uh, been giving their thinking a lot more thought since we've been working on this show. For sure, you and I have been doing that. So yeah, thanks for continuing to struggle along with me on the show. That's, uh, that's quite a nice thing. Thank uh, you. Absolutely. We are on 106.5 FM, WFMPLP, Louisville, Kentucky, Forward Radio. Forward Radio broadcasts out of the Hayburn Building in downtown Louisville. And uh, you can go to forwardradio.org to get our, uh, to get uh, a schedule of all of the really cool programming on Forward Radio. A lot yeah. of social justice stuff, a lot of local stuff, a lot of... Forwardradio.org. Yep, forwardradio.org, a lot of forward thinking stuff. Um, and you can get archives of Critical Thinking for Everyone, archived uh, episodes at SoundCloud. And you can also track us down in iTunes if you can find Forward Radio. We're in with uh, the rest of the Forward Radio stuff on iTunes. And we would love to have you talk back to us. Brian and I have not heard from any listeners in a, for a, quite a while. We're wondering if anyone's out there, 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 there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we do appreciate the people who responded to our survey, but... Oh, yeah. they de- We definitely got some nice feedback when we asked people to give us, excuse me, for feedback on the show, but... Go to Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook and talk to us. Send us a message. Tell us what you're thinking about. Maybe we can help you with the problem. We hope that someone sends a message in a bottle. Pretty much. Anyway. For that? No, we don't have to. Message. You, you can, you know what? You can, I was going to say, you can do a little sound effects music, but I don't know if we have the rights for that. Oh, we'll see. Oh, we'll see. Welcome to 2021 in the era of critical thinking with sound effects. Um, I hope you all are enjoying that. I've already gotten some positive feedback. Have from, you? From I liked it. Long-term listeners. Who was that? The incomparable Don Justino Moog. Oh, yay. Justin Mog, one of our longtime listeners and good friends. Thank yeah. you, Justin. We, we always appreciate, we appreciate his feedback from his... Yeah palatial hacienda uh, yeah off the grid Louisville. yeah off the grid floating in a uh just floating on a pad of hot air perhaps <laughs> wait a minute maybe that's that might be this show anyway uh, <laughs> hey go ahead today we have kind of a cornucopia show oh is it thanksgiving show awesome i didn't know we were already Time really does is weird in the pandemic. It's not Thanksgiving. It is just an all-purpose fun cornucopia of critical thinking goodness and goodies. Okay. Okay. Bonbons, as if you as you may like to think of it, sweet things Uh about critical thinking. Uh, And you you you're going to start us off with some jokes, as I understand it. Oh, I got jokes. (laughs) 
I hope they're funny. All right. A woman goes into a bar and says, oh, we've already done that one, so that's not funny. But um, all right. Let's see here. A woman walking into a bar. Oh man, that's well, a setup was, for some. We did it last situation. week. We did, that was the. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right. Let's see here. <clears throat> a juggler driving to his next performance is stopped by the police. What are those knives doing in your car? Asked the officer. I juggle them in my act, says the juggler. Oh, yeah, says the cop. Let's see you do it. So the juggler starts tossing and juggling the knives. A guy drives by and sees this and says, wow, I'm glad I quit drinking. Look at the test they're making you do now. <laughs> uh, funny? Why is it funny? Why is that funny? Because the assumptions, the guy driving by sees something happening on the side of the road and he has a concept about what police why police pull you over and what they have you do so he was overlaying his assumption on that scenario sure and if that was in fact what the police had you do that would be pretty wild it would be and yeah, everybody would be everybody would be failing the the <laughs> test it's you because you do juggle yeah, and I certainly wouldn't want to juggle knives for the police. I'm not sure that's a, that's a yeah. Word. I don't think yeah, I'm... so that's kind of a funny, again, because when we've talked about jokes in the past, we've talked about the way that they play with your assumptions. Absolutely. And they set you up with one thing, and then they, whoop, go sideways, and the humor is in the, your brain has been going this way, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, didn't see that one coming. Right, right, that is. Why isn't that, why is that funny, though? Why is it not annoying? You know, sometimes I think it is annoying, but um, I think a lot of times if it's in the context of humor, even if it's, yeah, even if we don't expect it, I think it is something um, that can bring us an unexpectedly pleasant twist. Like we think of a way that something that is, um, that we normally think of in one way could be thought of differently that makes it a little bit more lighthearted or a little bit more frivolous or maybe a little bit ridiculous. And uh, in a lot of cases, I think humor can help soften our relationship with certain people and certain things by showing those other obviously distorted points of view, but those that are intended to find the humorous side of something that would otherwise be quite quite serious perhaps okay so because getting pulled over by the police is very serious and yeah knives is very serious and when you put these two things together suddenly it doesn't it doesn't seem quite as serious yeah and you know what else is that you know what this made me think of is the joke works because we're in on the knowledge that the driver is not mm -hmm. right so we laugh at his reaction because we are in on what's really happening. So it made me think of a definition of how suspense is created in a film. Oh, okay. And they said the viewer knows something that the person on screen doesn't know. Ah, oh, nice. 
So they talked about the suspense. Now, that's not always necessarily the case because I've noticed that principle in films that I'm watching them. And so it's not always the case. But a lot of the times it's the case of suspense between what you know and what the person on the screen knows. Yeah. And it's that tension. And so in a funny way, that's what that joke works. I know what's happening on the side of the road, yeah. but the driver doesn't. So I'm in on it. And that's what makes his reaction funny. That's right. No, I think that's a great way to explain it. All right, you ready for another? You don't think we explained it to death? <laughs> Someone let us know a critical thinking for everyone yeah. on Facebook. Tell us, be honest. We we're can still, take it. We're still working on our uh, on our um, joke segment presentation for this segment. Yeah, a woman walked into a bar and asked for a double entendre, so the barman gave her one. <laughs> it's nice when it the 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 realization starts to come uh, out of the waves wow right? what's this book again <laughs> this is this is uh that garrison keeler joint that we were talking about last time oh it's garrison keeler's book okay gave her double on top ah okay that's clever all right so that's clever so, all right, so you like that one. So tell me why that one's funny. Uh, well, you have to know gave her a double entendre. Double entendre. Uh, because we're waiting, thinking maybe that's the name of a drink. Okay. And then the silence makes us think, no, no, you really meant he gave her a double on. He said something that was a double entendre. And what is that? I mean, that's also part of the joke. A what double mean? entendre is when you say something that has a double meaning. Right. And, and the double meaning in the joke is, and then he gave her one. Right. So, <laughs> right. So, it, it's so layered. If, it drink, if it was, maybe he gave yeah. her a joke back, right. So a phrase that had two meanings, or maybe he gave her one, whatever we think that. Mm. Yes, indeed. Mm. So we should, we should, we should perform that one sometime as a skit. Are we going to do, going to do that? What is a skit? It's a short skit. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a. And we wait, we pause and wait for the laughter. That's right. No, you definitely have to wait for. You have we to, you have have to, to give Garrison Keillor credit, though. I'm sure that he gets all of the credit he is due. We certainly do it on this show. Here, tell me what you think about this one. A professor is someone who talks in someone else's sleep. What? A professor is someone who talks in someone else's oh. sleep. Oh, because your students have fallen asleep? <laughs> oh, Brian Barnes, Dr. Barnes, Professor Barnes. It's possible. It's okay. possible. It, some, some, some students will report that sometimes when they're having a dream, I'm droning on in their dream. Like, it's like the background thing. Wait a minute. They're falling asleep in class or they're actually having, they're actually asleep? I've had both. Yeah, I've had both. Yeah, students will say they fell asleep in class and they thought they were awake. One student came up and apologized because he thought he was participating, because he was participating in his dream. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, no, actually, yeah, actually, you certainly were. He said, no, I realized I wasn't now because he was dead asleep. Like everybody was looking at him, but he thought he was participating um, in the class. So I suggested he go get a cup of coffee or a nap or so, how did he do? How, how did he do in the rest of your class? I'm not sure he came back. I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't know. That wasn't, I just remember. Wow. Have you, are you familiar with that thing called ASMR? 
Yeah, sure. Have you ever thought you could try to be the ASMR professor? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely put him to sleep. <laughs> I can definitely get real close to the microphone and yes. talk about all of the soothing things. And if you want to talk about applied ethics, I can talk about it without very many hard consonants. So okay. Soothing. <laughs> there you can, go. Maybe so I can just brush my hair on the on the microphone. Yes, you have really picture. nice hair for that. There we or go. Or you yeah. could like rub your you don't shave and rub your face. I could just shave on the on the camera. <laughs> maybe. So if I, anyone's wondering what ASMR is, you can Google that. But basically Brian was demonstrating. <laughs> he was demonstrating with the way That's he was a good talking. demonstration, but anyway. I had no idea this is a huge thing on on the on YouTube. Huge, it's a huge like, thing. I didn't know that. It's a rabbit oh, hole. I, I, you must not I started be... to slide down and I pulled myself back. Okay, so you must not be um, ASMR uh, wired or whatever if you were able to pull yourself. No, no, I enjoyed it. But I was like, wow, this is like, ooh, a whole world. I'm okay. not, it's like Narnia. I'm like going back into the closet, right? <laughs> I'm not right. ready for- Back through the wardrobe for Patty. Oh, so, okay, well. turn up your radio but this is brian and i'm gonna do a little asmr demonstration since patty was talking about it so i've got this brownie i don't know if you can hear me eating the brownie but i'm trying to eat this brownie Normally, I'm not a very loud eater. I don't know. Now my dog's drinking water in the background. I think this thing just went off the rails. Um, you know, do you remember, speaking of back through the wardrobe, you remember that uh, Wizard of Oz thing? The movie? I, the book, the movie, you remember? I am familiar with both, yes. Do you know why Dorothy got lost in Oz? She I mean, she had the yellow brick road. Like, she why didn't did follow the yellow brick road. Why? Because she had three men giving her directions. <laughs> Very possible. That's, that's wow, is that sexist, though? That's pretty sexist. That subtext becoming text is what that is. Any men who are offended by that, feel free to reach out to me. Are, are you offended part. by that? <laughs> no, I think that's, you give, probably, that's probably you, a major plot point. Do you give bad directions? Not when, or, yeah, yeah, when there's three of me, I do. <laughs> For sure, it's a mess. All right, we should move on. No I, could, I could, I could, yeah, I could talk about men and directions, but okay, all right, well, well, okay, well, let me actually, let me ask you this. All right, then, this is this a critical thinking question? Yeah, all right, yeah. Great. So if the stereotype is men, no, I don't think it's men. No, 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 wait a minute. The stereotype is that men don't like to ask for directions. So how is it funny to say that Dorothy had three men giving her directions if they don't like to stop? Where's the... Yeah, I think the joke there is that men love to be in charge and that uh... men want to direct women. And so if she's getting direction from three different men there's no way she could have. And I think the even better joke is that none of them were giving her the right directions, right? So not only was it confusing to have three of them, she still got lost, even with all of the input from the men. So I think- Probably some mansplaining going on. 
I think I'm doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> I I did ask you. I kind of invited you to do that, though. It's true. But uh, so so, is this is this last joke being saved? Are we ready for one last? Do you want to do one more? I think this one's a winner. Okay. A woman sends her husband out to buy some escargot for a dinner party that night. Yeah. Escargot are snails. Snails for everyone, in case you're not buying that stuff. Instead of going straight to the store, the husband decides to stop at the local bar. He has a few beers, then some more. Pretty soon, he looks at his watch and finds he's over an hour late for the dinner party. He dashes to the store, picks up the escargot, and frantically drives home. When he walks in the door, he can hear his wife coming from the kitchen. So he takes the bag of snails and quickly throws them all over the floor. When his wife walks into the room, he says, come on, guys, we're almost there. <laughs> wow. That's some quick thinking. I'll tell you, maybe he uh, evaluated the situation and came up with a creative solution. What do you think? Well, I think he had been drinking a lot that so why it's funny because most people might not think this is a good solution so if you're if you're a little drunk you're going to come up with something wacky like that <laughs> has your husband ever shown up late and thrown the snails on the floor and then encouraged them to, to no has he shown up an hour late for a dinner party Certainly, mm, not. certainly, certainly not. not. Definitely not. Certainly. Have I sent him out to the store to get something the day of a dinner party with trepidation? Yes, I have. But he's but he's survived and 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 shined through. Yeah, he did. I, on the other hand, I'm divorced. And I would like to say that many local bars have found me when I should have been at the store once upon a time. So sorry to everyone for that, but uh, you know we do improve our thinking over time. Perhaps better at prioritizing now. I give critical thinking. Yeah, if you had to go to the store for a dinner party, you probably wouldn't stop at the bar, would you? Would you? Or would you do the drive-through? <laughs> Boy, I gotta think this one through. Um, yeah, if I had to go to the store for the dinner party, I would definitely go to the store and get the stuff. And then once I realized I had an extra 10 minutes or so, I mean, why not stop off for one at the bar? Just real quick. These things are going to be fine in the car for just a few minutes. <laughs> this stuff's for everyone. Wow, so, Garrison Keeler, your age is showing, Garrison Keeler. <laughs> thanks for listening to our jokes. Jokes, 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 jokes. Okay. That may have been a lot to process. You need a minute? How about a little critical thinking dance party? Get some!
thinking in the news. And we want to tell people there is critical thinking in the news. That is the reason for our segment so that we can share the fact that folks are talking about critical thinking in the news. Oh, they sure are. So a couple of articles we came up this, with this week. I'm just going to tell you where they are first, and you can go look them up yourself. Um, we got one from the New Times, which is out of Rwanda. I think is super cool. This is from last week, um, January 6th. Why, oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Why critical thinking is necessary for personal development. And it's quite a long article. Um, well, not too long, but it's relatively basic. It talks about critical thinking at work. It talks about why it's important for um, individual success. Uh, it gives a couple of ideas about you know, the value of self-reflection and stuff like that. I think it might be interesting just to make some basic connections about critical thinking um, in the professional world and in your sort of personal thinking. What Did you read that one? Um, that's the one that I'm sort of looking at now because I, I was I was got a little fixated on some of the other articles that oh, you've done. Okay. I just think but, this is a nice one for personal growth. Yeah, yeah. It's easy. It's easy. So that's one that's one that's out there. Um, one that I was a little bit surprised to see, frankly, um, was from Forbes. So yeah, that's Forbes. the one that kind of piqued me. Okay, well, let's let's hang on to Forbes for a minute. But there is, um, uh, well, I guess we can go ahead and talk about it. Higher education bears some culpability for the insurrection at the Capitol. And of course, we know that the Capitol in the United States was attacked by uh, insurrectionists last week. Um, rioters, protesters, um, who, um, yeah, everybody knows the news story. Go look it up. But it's interesting that um, this uh, Lucy Lepovsky contributing to, um, to Forbes seems to think critical thinking has something to do with this. Do you want to bring up the part that you thought? Yeah, was I'd like to make, mention her, the thrust of her articles, so, her assumptions there, so we can, we can. Yeah. Um, so first of all, Lucy Lepovsky is a personal finance, that's her area in Forbes, yep. and, she, and she writes, says, I write about strategic financial issues in higher ed, so that's her bailiwick, yep. and so she, she says that last week's insurrection at the Capitol should be a wake-up call to higher ed, so I was like, oh, that's interesting, higher ed, okay, she's, she's pointing the finger at us, okay, yep. And then she says, for far too long, many of us have sat passively by while our graduates have renounced or disregarded what we thought we had taught them. Yeah. So what she's saying there is she's making the assumption that our graduates are critical thinkers and they've renounced or disregarded, basically. Like they they've basically like, eh, I know better. I know the truth, but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do maybe it's like truthy truthiness. I'm going to do what feels right or feels good, right? That seems to be the suggestion she's she's making yeah, here. Yeah, but, but I tell you, I mean, she does make that suggestion, I, and I think that she's, she's strong in it. I don't like that she conflates critical thinking with ethical thinking. Well, I guess, right. Now, I guess that's, I guess I'm, I'm with you because she says, um, 
Well, let, let me just go on here and let, let's go to your point. We pride ourselves in the academy on teaching critical thinking and respect for differences. Well, we do pride ourselves on that. It doesn't mean we're doing necessarily always a good job. Well, it doesn't um, mean that, I mean, it doesn't mean, I mean, you can't make the students drink. Right, right. I mean, while, right. Yeah. Now, while we have valued free and honest speech, yet we have stood by and let this president and his administration per perpetuate more than 20,000 lives while we watched and didn't call him on it. Who's okay. we? Exactly. Who's we? Yeah. She's, she's calling out herself and a bunch of her Ivy League uh colleagues who are in charge maybe she, because Forbes is a business audience maybe she's like speaking to a business audience like she CEOs and other maybe. people saying we just sat by and we didn't say anything or maybe she's talking about um the people who are in higher education who didn't speak up and who their students didn't see them speak up right she okay. does talk about that yeah. She says, what happened to what we taught them? Did they lose their ability to see truth from falsehoods? And she's talking about the leaders in Washington. She says they all have degrees from colleges and universities in lead institutions. But guess what? Having a degree from those institutions doesn't mean you're a critical thinker. 100% meaningless in this regard. Yeah. So she seems to be, now she's pointing at higher ed as opposed to people who are being swayed by interests groups. That's and in, in extremists who they're playing to the base, right, of their voter base, they're not going, gee, I really know better, you know, my professor and my ethics professor or my critical thinking professor, my English, whatever taught me better, but they're not, they're not, it's not higher ed. We're not responsible for this. I don't, I mean, I think of course, education has to be robust, you know, and to say that someone who is educated is going to make appropriate moral decisions when faced with the various social pressures of living within society and their own personal quest for power and independence and whatever they think success is and all that, that's just absurd. Um, the other thing is moral questions are quite variable. And it's one of the reasons why we have regulations put there by the group right by society to say we don't want people coloring outside these lines because we believe there are harms i mean i think that's where we ought to put a lot of responsibility you know what are the various pressures that cause people when they get into office to be unable to make decisions that are good for the group right right and i right. mean that's an application of critical thinking it's an application of moral thinking but i don't think that any that i think very few people are actually trained for it and i don't know that i mean frankly i can sit just for example i can sit in my business ethics class all semester which is critical thinking heavy and i can talk about these two things together and students can absolutely get out of business school go to their job and create all sorts of harms in their quest to make in millions of dollars. So and, they sat in your class and, yeah. and they well, we just said, wow, Professor Barnes talks the whole time about himself. Right, they <laughs> did get that right, I'm sure. But there's no guarantee just because they learned about the stuff that they're gonna agree with it or wanna live their life by. Maybe some of them are like, you know what? I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make that first 5 million. And after that, I'll find some ethics. Like, I don't- Do you ever talk to them about that? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You 
Absolutely. Yeah. You got to figure out, I think you got to figure out why you're doing what you're doing and this is part of it. So. Yeah. Okay, good. And it's really interesting that, so she's saying, you know, wow, basically what she's saying is, you know, we have graduates and we brag about their accomplishments and their titles and their financial prowess. But she, she says, you know, what we're not thinking about is the character, their intellectual ability, right? Like she's basically saying, we look at all these surface things that mean what success is, yep. but, it, but it's really about what's going on in their head that is about how successful. And it's really interesting. She quotes a president of Trinity Washington University that said, if we presidents shrink from telling the truth out of a fear of alienating people whose favor we crave, meaning like board donors or board yep. members, yep. what are we teaching our students, right? And yet there's a lot of that. Yeah. So um, she said, we cannot abrogate our responsibility to civic values, truth, and fairness, act on the moral leaders, act as the moral leaders of our country. Um, so really what she's saying is she is calling out higher ed, but she's calling out herself as a former president saying, I sometimes shrank from saying the most the important thing because I didn't want to offend or alienate supporters which is what happened, we see with some of, many of our politicians. Mm -hmm. I have to play to the party line. I have to play to my vocalist, my vocal constituents, and I'm not gonna go with what I think is important. Brian, how are we ever gonna pull out of this? What's, how do we ever pull out of this? Well, I, wor I worry. Um, I don't know. I don't know that we've ever been out of it. Really? Yeah, I think that overwhelmingly, you know, human society and, and history shows that self-interested people are going to take power and, um, you know, promote their own interests. And in a, hopefully in a democracy or representative republic or whatever it is we're doing here, hopefully the people are some kind of a check on that to make sure that it doesn't get too far out of control. But I think it's relatively rare that the people who are the leaders also care about the people who don't have means. I mean, we're definitely deep, in, uh, uh, so I'm sorry, a plutocracy here in the United States. I beg your pardon. Well, you need to explain your terms then. Well, the plutocracy is the rule by the powerful. And that's really what we, what we have here. We have um, a lot of people at the top of the food chain, uh, economically and socially speaking, um, in many cases, making decisions that only benefit others or largely benefit others at the top of the food chain. Um, and most Americans and indeed most people in the world suffer for those decisions, especially when we talk about the compounding issues of um, you know, climate impacts and species extinction and stuff like that that come from these. And there's also just the the, the issue of, you know, culturally following the leader, right? I mean, Americans, even uh, very poor Americans have pretty good lives compared to the poor in a lot of parts of the world. And so, um, or even the middle class in some parts of the world. And so uh, there's a lot of aspiring to be like, um, and the, the more that we make decisions that lead to um, the degradation of society, the more other societies will be degraded at the same time and indeed the whole world stage by following these examples. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important that we think these things through and that we try to 
make sure that um, going forward, we have, you know, we're having conversations about what we actually want and how to achieve those things instead of letting the powerful just get the power and use all of the resources to enrich the top quarter or top 10% of society. I mean, I, I think mm, that's it's a tough situation we're in right now. It's terrible. I mean, people like Richard Paul and Linda Elder and William Graham Sumner, the early 20th century anthropologist or sociologist, they talk about, you know, having a critical capacity within society being an important characteristic. And eventually, as you know, um, the idea is that we develop some sort of critical mass that can then guide everyone else, uh, almost like some kind of a herd immunity uh, to bad uh, thinking or something. Yeah. And I'm just, well, I'm less uh, hopeful that we uh, have the ability to form that hardcore. You know, well, right here's the thing with this administration that's just leaving now, the Trump administration. I think you could argue, you know, it, it, that sometimes those kinds of attitudes trickle down, right? So if he's being oh, yeah. xenophobic and he's being um, whatever, all the, all the, what did she, what did she say? The words she used in this article, nativism, racism, and anti-Semitism, hmm. right? That encourages all those things. Then that can sort of allow and sort of encourage other people to put those values, you know, to foreground their attitudes. And so let's hope with administration, like the new one coming in, that the same thing, they will set the tone that will begin to maybe change some dynamics, you know, in, in many circles. I, I think that's, that's the idea. You elect the people who value what you value. Yep. So yep. that those become the guiding principles. So yep. Yep. the problem, the problem is, when it costs tens of thousands of dollars to even run for office in some cases, yeah. when you have to have millions of dollars to win big time elected office and you have to be plugged into systems that already exist in order to make that happen, it becomes, I think, um, you know, less, it becomes a little, a little bit more of a dream for a lot of folks, right? And less of a, of a really achievable um, goal for everyone. Well, that's a good point. I was going to say Barack Obama is a good example, but he went to Harvard Law School. Yeah, it helps when he you went to, to Harvard or Yale, yeah. and right, and so that puts you right away in a in a exclusive circle of power and influence. That, sure. um, but uh, but he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Right. Um, and, yeah. And of course, you know, these things are very complex. And if we had, you know, really obvious formulas for them, then we wouldn't have to pull the curtain back and expose mm -hmm. them. Right. They would be there for everyone to see. Yeah. So, OK, so she ends by saying we need to make sure that our graduates are critical thinkers who can discern truth from falsehoods, who can take seriously their responsibility to respect their fellow men. We need to instill a strong moral compass in all of our graduates so they know how to deal appropriately with all the influences in their lives. Wow. That's basically what she's saying is character, right? Is where we need to make sure we're not just teaching them, you know, spreadsheets and all these other skill sets, but we're trying to teach them these character uh, issues. Wow. Wow. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. I, wonder, I wonder a lot of times when we talk about these character issues, I wonder how much what we call character is sort of driven by 
a desire or a maybe a fear within culture that is related to rule following. Like I wonder a great deal when I'm thinking about critical thinking and teaching critical thinking and thinking about the examples of thinking that I see in the media and on the large, larger stages that I observe. I wonder to what extent people are thinking things through at all as opposed to acting from other impulses. Mm, well, uh, yeah, I think that's part of the problem. If you're letting your impulses drive you as opposed to your pausing to think things through, uh, that can just become part of your, um, your mental operation um, and just start to feel like that's how you live your life. Well, that's also, I, I think kind of the, a lot of people have written about and talked about how some media outlets, for example, Fox News, have spent a lot of time over the years getting people emotionally involved in certain points of view, while yeah. not necessarily providing them accurate or yeah. in-depth facts about those issues. But so I can get people to follow me, you know, with their emotion alone, right, or get them to act. And that's, that's arguably what we've seen a lot of lately that maybe needs to be, um, you know, re-examined. And it's not to say that action and emotion aren't super important. It's just that these things need to be tempered with our good thinking if we want to be thoughtful about long-term implications and consequences of our actions. I mean, that's just, that's just something that we can't see without trying to look at it like it's not the the long-term implications are not there on the surface you have to dig in right to figure out if this action is good for me in the long term or not or for society or whatever well you got to have someone showing you how to do it well hopefully um we're helping some folks and um, i hope so i hope you guys haven't fallen asleep <laughs> is that my um particular speech brian are you are you all listening to brian in your dreams <laughs> so here's another piece of critical thinking news from january 6th this week this one's from yahoo finance um this entrepreneur from dubai Merzad Ferdos. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. He's saying he just comes out with a call for critical thinking for developing people again, kind of like the one that we saw uh, the article from Rwanda. Um, right. But he's talking specifically about the workforce and about um, he goes into some details about sort of judgment versus creativity and stuff like that. Um, he talks about um, dealing with organizations as opposed to dealing with individuals. Um, anyway, he's uh, putting out, a, so I guess, a few critical thinking ideas here, and people might find it interesting to go look for uh, Yahoo Finance um, from January 6th. The, the title is Critical Thinking Extremely Important for Human Development. Will you put that on, the, on our page? I'll try to. I don't know. I don't know if I did it last time, so I'll try to get to it this time. Sorry for anybody who was just dying for the links last time. I well, you talk them up, dude. I'm telling people how to find them. 
you know, there they are. There they are. Okay. Well, I would love to share my news item. Well, we definitely need to get them up there. So I'm going to, I'm going to make the extra effort. Will you? Thank we will. you. We will. All right. Where are we doing our, so we've got some news for today. We've got a few jokes under the belt. I've got an update. Help, help us help us with the update okay folks this is gonna really blow your mind especially if you spent any money on disinfecting wipes in the last eight or nine months disinfecting wipes here they come <laughs> this is gonna disinfect your thinking <laughs> well um so ever since we started talking about covid 19 on the show. Brian, do you remember when our first mention of COVID-19 was? Oh, it must have been in February. Late February of 2020. So it's almost a year. Yeah. Okay. So get this. This news NPR published this piece in uh, late December uh, yep. of last year. So this is yep. December 2020. They said, yep. so scientists have learned a lot about COVID in the last almost year, right? They've, as you can guess, we've learned a lot. And it turns out that scrubbing and disinfecting, this article actually says it may not be necessary. Now, yeah, I know that- the risk, the risk of getting infected from touching a surface contaminated by the virus is low. Yes, exactly. And let me explain this and let's talk about this as critical thinkers. What does this mean? What are the implications? Um, so before we go into this though, we need to remind our listeners and ourselves that part of critical thinking is always leaving your decisions and beliefs open until you get more information. Right. So if you've, if you've committed to a disinfecting, disinfecting routine in your office, in your car, your home, wherever, that's fine. That's sure. totally fine. Oh, but yeah. we want you to have this information to help you make decisions in the future. So this is what they said. If a person infected with a coronavirus sneezes, coughs, or talks loudly, droplets containing particles of the virus can travel through the air and land on surfaces. Okay? Yep. But the risk of actually getting infected from touching a surface contaminated by the virus is low. Okay, it's not zero. It's low. This is according to a microbiologist at Rutgers, okay? So yep. this is really interesting. He said, what's found when they began to go into hospitals and test surfaces around coronavirus patients, what they found is what's called viral RNA. Do you know what yeah. that is? Yeah, that's, that's what's left over after the, um, after the virus dies, right? Yeah, the corpse of the virus. Oh God. Yeah. So they don't find infectious virus. That's because once the virus is out in the environment, it's very fragile, which is yeah, why- maybe, maybe if I handle the corpses, I get sick. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even that, I don't know. And, and that's why they were saying going outside, the virus is very unstable, right? Because it's in an outdoor environment and um, which is very different from more like when you're trapped inside and there's not a lot of air circulation. 
All right. So get this, back in January and February last year, okay, so a year ago, public health officials thought surface contamination was a problem. In fact, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember they would publish in the paper things like, hey, it lives on cardboard this long, it lives on plastic yeah. this long. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, I remember that. It yeah. is. It's it um what they did was they were it was in a controlled environment and it was often a concentrated version of the virus, right? Okay. It wasn't necessarily being tested in an everyday environment the way it is now. Okay. Okay. Yep. So in retrospect, and so then people started disinfecting everything, their groceries, their mail, not me. I never did that. Okay. I never did that. I will admit I've never been someone who disinfects my mail or my, or my groceries. Okay. In retrospect, the, they're saying that was overkill. All the evidence points toward breathing in the virus from the air as being the most important route of transmission. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think that um, what some people are going to say is, well, you know, this is just somebody trying to get our attention and confuse us. That's, that's the rhetoric that's going around these days um, on all of these health issues, right? Once we get the word on something, if it changes, now suddenly that's perceived as being hypocrisy, right? Because what you said before is not what you're saying now. But what it is, in fact, is scientific discovery. Right. It's called yeah. science. Yeah. And what we want is to update continually in the light of new discoveries with the assumption that research will be ongoing. And so new discoveries and new insights are going to be produced on the regular about these various issues because someone's doing research about them. And so I think that uh, we should not be too skeptical because the best advice becomes, um, you know, the best advice changes. That shouldn't make us skeptical. We should be skeptical if the scientists never come up with anything new and the very first thing they said was the right thing. That's going to be scary as hell for me personally, because I believe that as we go months and even years into this thing, we're going to learn a lot more about this that we didn't know right at the beginning. And so I would expect that from science and I would expect that from not just hard science, but soft science as well, social science. I would expect that just from the business of living and uh, people shouldn't be worried about that. Right, right. If new information comes, we go, oh, we were wrong about that. You ask for the evidence, you get more information, you update your thinking. No problem. Um, now, here's the thing. So what should we be doing now uh, based on this? We sh they said instead of paying so much attention to cleaning surfaces, we should be paying attention to cleaning the air. Yeah. Right? That's sure. what they're saying. Sure. And they say when you start doing all these chemical cleanings of like classrooms and bathrooms and sidewalks and buildings, they're saying some of those chemicals in the air actually are going to be harmful. Absolutely. The vol volatile organic compounds that yeah. are produced when those cleaning solutions get together with sunlight and with one another, in some cases, um, with just the environment are gonna be sometimes pretty gnarly all by themselves. Yeah, so the most bottom line, so what they say is the bottom line. Health experts emphasize that the most important way to avoid infection is to stay away from crowds. Bing, are you doing that? 
Prime Barn? Crowd, yes, ma'am. Are you staying away from what's the largest crowd that you've been in recently? Um, let's see how many how many people uh, advanced on the Capitol. So let's see. That was um, <laughs> no, um, no. I um, I've been in a classroom where there were twenty five yeah. students. Really? Okay. We were at a distance. Everyone wearing masks. I was distanced and masked, and I was away from yeah. all of them. Okay. Me for me, open. it'd probably be the grocery store. Yeah, I mean, there weren't as many people in the grocery store the last time I went as there were in this class. Yeah. Today. So avoid infection, stay away from crowds, wear a mask whenever. Do you wear a mask whenever you leave the house? I wear a mask except when I'm clearly walking by myself. Like when you're dog walking? Um, I have one in my pocket then. I usually don't wear it. Um, I, if yeah. I'm walking to my car and it's a big open area, then I don't wear it. Yeah, I've seen you outside sometimes and you're wearing a mask. Yeah, sometimes I do. It's often just convenient, right? Because it's already yeah. on my face and I'm going somewhere else inside. So why yeah. not? Yeah, wear a mask whenever you leave the house. I carry, like everyone else, carry a mask with me, wear it whenever I'm in public. If I'm outdoors though, right in the neighborhood, I'm probably not going to do that. Right. I'm even working out at the gym now and wear a mask. Yeah, me too. So does everyone else. Mask. Yep. Yep. And it's been really illuminating. It's not so bad. Limit the time you spend in any indoor space with people outside of your own household. Do you do that? Yeah, the gym is the gym in the classroom. Yeah, and yeah, wear a mask when you're in those spaces. Yeah. So that's the bottom line. Okay, so it's basically mask, avoid crowds. When you are leaving your house, wear a mask. That And, you know, limit your time indoors uh, with people outside your own house. This is all good stuff. Now, the next thing is when you're out in public, be aware of surfaces you touch. Wash your hands often. It's more effective to wash your hands thoroughly than to try to clean everything. So that's really interesting. So they're saying instead of putting your emphasis on cleaning, just put your emphasis on washing your hands. Yeah. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so I keep hand sanitizer in my car, yeah. probably like a lot of people. And when I mean it, I get in my car, I'm using hand sanitizer from wherever I was. And um, and it says, if you do decide to keep wiping down canned goods or packages, you don't need fancy clean of old fashioned soap and water. Isn't that interesting? This really challenges some of the rules we've all been living by for many, many months. Well, we should be looking for the best science and we should be uh, thinking about our thinking on this pandemic stuff whenever we get the opportunity, no doubt. Yeah, so folks, I hope you really heard the bottom line there. Now, I do want to add just a couple codas about about um, about uh, the virus if, um, since we're on this topic. As we're, a critical we're not, thinker, we're not medical doctors and it's not a public health show. No, we're not. But a couple other things. I know from what I've read about once you get a vaccination, they still want you to wear a mask and be attentive to these things. You, you because guys, for the next 48 hours, you're ugly. Well, and what about like, could you be a carrier? I guess that's another question. I think they're just doing it because you're ugly. It twists your face into an ugly <laughs> massage for, for 24 hours. And so you absolutely need that mask on. Oh, no stop. one will see you. You oh, must stop. wear a mask. Yes. All right. So here's another thing. I was reading an article about from the New York Times about uh, Anthony Fauci talking about like, because everybody wants to know, when can we stop wearing masks? When can we go back to normal? When can we go to, you know, uh, da, da, da. and one of the things I thought this was so interesting let's say we get to fall and we've had lots and hundreds and thousands of people vaccinated and life feels like we're back starting to get back to normal 
Why should you continue to wear a mask in some situations? Because you might be sick. Cold and flu season. Sure, why not? Other and and my, I was talking to my husband about this and he said, yeah, there's people in Asia who yeah. have been wearing wear masks in cold and flu season have been doing this for all, even when there's not a pandemic. That's so right. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we all got used to in the winter? Would you go to a concert and sit in the orchestra? Or would you be wearing a mask? Would you do that? I'm not sure I'm going to go and sit in an orchestra again. Um, <laughs> but um, I, think, I think I think if I did, I would definitely wear a mask. Wear a mask, yeah. Absolutely. So I like have a normal mask. I not only have I not gotten COVID this fall or winter, I have not gotten a cold or the flu or any knock on wood, any respiratory virus. Cause That's you know, great. I'm wearing a mask like all the time. I think that must help. Although I do think it also makes a big difference if you don't bring it up because that invites the demons. Oh, so you want to darn it. Yeah. You just want to think about that. It's a, darn, I just jinxed myself. Jinxing is a well-known critical thinking principle. We want to oh. give, this, give this serious thought and, oh. and, and your, you know, your best, um, you know, small rituals for Patty's benefit, whatever you can do to help. Can I do some of that? And that will help. Combat the jinx, whatever you Okay. Um, as soon as we finish the show, I'm going to do that. So if I'm not here, folks, next week and Brian's doing the show, you know why. Hey, everybody. I sure hope this has been fun for you today. Just want to say a couple of things about some of the other great programs here on Forward Radio. If you go to forwardradio.org, you can get the schedule, and you'll learn about some really interesting programming. There's Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS, for example, which is all about opposing charter schools uh, in the Commonwealth and my, why you might want to do that. Um, Rising Up with Sonali is a fantastic national or an international program uh, it's very politically progressive get some of the straight dope about what's going on in the world with democracy now from a really important point of view retro forward is bob klein's awesome music show well you'll hear some stuff maybe you've never heard before but certainly some old favorites um, there is of course Sprouts, which is a variety of different shows from all over the place. It's a national program. Some of our own folks have been featured on that, like Justin Mogg, who has Sustainability Now! Fantastic show that'll turn you on to how sustainability is being uh, developed in the Commonwealth, but also around the world, uh, because he has some really progressive thinkers on there, friends. We have really cool long-standing shows like the Sonic Cafe which will blow your mind. Citizens Climate Radio is an excellent bit of time for you to uh, spend thinking about the climate and what you can do. Radio EcoShock again national programming really awesome shows. Um, you know we have a lot of room for local talent and for local points of view and we would love to have you join up. I mean, my old Kentucky podcast, it doesn't get much more local than that, uh, for sure. But we need more. We have depth and weight. Been on for quite some time uh, since early on in the station. A uh, really important show about recovery and addiction and sort of what people's chances uh, are of doing well. The chances are pretty good if you listen to that show, by the way. It's a very hopeful show. 
um, on the edge with K.A. Owens. Man, I learn a lot every time I listen to that show. That guy really has it going on. Wonderful interviews, terrific content. Good job uh, with that show. Give us a listen. We would love to have you as part of what we're doing to come up with your own show. Thanks so much for your support. Go to forwardradio.org. Check out this schedule and put some chips down. We need 20 bucks a day. And we also need some fantastic programmers and leaders. I hope to see you around the boardroom table. should have thought it through um send your remedies to patty at critical thinking for everyone and of course this isn't the only way um, that things get difficult i mean it is a week for challenges 2021's coming fast and furious everybody look out um, you'll get knocked right down the capital steps if you're not careful so uh, whatever's going on Think about what you should be thinking about. Uh, Keep your focus. You want to be able to do intellectual analysis. You want to be able to do um, your evaluation of whether thinking is high or low quality. You want to think about those authority figures. Do they know what they're talking about or are they just trying to get some power over you? There's so much to think about. What about my implicit biases? Since we're all thinkers, these questions are absolutely for everyone. Even you.